Within communities of color, we idolize J-Lo, Beyonce, women who had a figure. Big butts were just kind of tacitly understood as a standard for us. That's Ruth Samuel. She's a reporter for Huffington Post. Whereas in white mainstream culture, you have movies where people are just aghast at big butts. It's their greatest fear, like absolutely petrified and terrified. You're wearing sweatpants. It's Monday. So? So that's against the rules and you can't sit with us. These sweatpants are all that fits me right now. Fine. You can walk home, bitches. That's where you're going, fat ass. <laughs> Darcy, you should stop eating. You see, when you skip a meal, your body feeds off its fat stores. And if you skip enough, maybe your body will eat your ass. I just haven't found a thing today. I don't look right in American clothes. I have a more European body. <laughs> Oh, in Europe, do they all have big butts, too? (laughs) But now, being told you have a big booty is one of the highest compliments. The Kardashian family, Cardi B, Nicki Minaj, even Madonna, have all been accused of getting butt implants or some other type of enhancement to make their backsides bigger. At this point, it's almost easier to name the celebs who haven't had anything done to their rear ends. Being in the public eye, there's a lot of pressure. R&B singer and reality star Kate Michelle documented the process to get her removed after she had complications. It's the Brazilian butt lift craze. I compared myself to other artists. I wanted to, you know, be curvy. People on social media. And I thought I want to take it to the extreme. So I chose to make some changes. You know, I got my boobs done, my butt, my stomach. Nobody warned me about the dangers, and I had no idea that the fight for my life was about to begin. And it's not just celebrities who are bending over backwards to join the big booty club. More and more, regular, degular women are looking for ways to beef up their backsides. And while some are still opting for implants and shots, many people are turning to another surgical procedure, the BBL. This is considered the most dangerous cosmetic surgery with a two in 6,000 death rate. Cosmetic surgeries are elective procedures. There are so few people getting them in the first place, but when you have any deaths, period, it heightens the risk. Welcome to Pop Culture. I'm Bridget Armstrong. Today, a conversation about the Brazilian butt lift. What is it? Why are so many people getting them? And why are they so dangerous? It sounds simple, but it is actually a complicated and complex procedure. That's Dr. Uche Blackstock. She's a board-certified emergency medicine physician. She's also the founder of Advancing Health Equity. That's a consulting firm that works to counter bias and racism in healthcare. It's essentially fat transfer, where fat is taken through liposuction from other parts of the body, like the abdomen, the flanks, the lower back, the hips, and inner thighs. And it's placed in the buttocks area. So that is essentially what a BBL is. And it's to give that appearance of a fuller, higher backside. The pursuit of a bigger butt isn't new. Even though they've only become popular in recent years, BBLs have been around since 1960. A Brazilian cosmetic surgeon came up with the procedure. And the name of it is a bit deceptive because it really isn't a lift at all. 
but sometimes it can make the butt look fuller and higher. But before BBLs migrated to the mainstream, people turned elsewhere to get a bigger bum. Back in the day, people used to get surgery on their butts, it used to be more butt implants. So we've heard about like silicone implants, but BBLs have gained popularity because they give a more natural appearance to the butt. And also because of the liposuction on those other areas, it takes away undesirable fat from those other areas, kind of giving that small waist, big butt appearance. But not all BBLs are created equally. Here's reporter Ruth Samuel again. She wrote an excellent deep dive on BBLs. In reality, there is only a BBL, right? Talking to physicians and surgeons I speak to, there's no multiple types of BBLs, but colloquially, patients who get them refer to them differently, right? So um, skinny BBL, one would describe it as a bit more conservative. It doesn't look like to the human eye that you would be able to recognize that someone got work done. And that's the thing. The misconception is that... (laughs) A BBL is going to be this massive voluptuous thing because of what we've seen with Kim Kardashian, the family, et cetera, et cetera. And now to see them get these alleged reversals or remove whatever implants they possibly have had is very interesting. Despite being the family most associated with BBLs, none of the Kardashians have admitted getting them. Recently, though, people have started to notice that Kim and Khloe have noticeably smaller backsides. And they're wondering if they got something removed or reversed. Someone on Twitter said they revert back to Caucasian factory settings, which was hilarious. But yeah, so really talking to physicians, they're like, there's just one BBL and it's done this method if someone is a board certified physician. Now reversals and things like that, there's no real practice that has been kind of widespread or that has been implemented in schools about how that is done. The cost and quality of a BBL can also vary a lot. The procedure can cost anywhere from $15,000 to $20,000 on the high end, all the way down to $3,000. And often with BBLs, you get what you pay for. I think the affordable BBL, the discount BBL, that it's so harmful, it's so dangerous, but people see the numbers, they're like, oh, this is a steal, but they don't understand the ramifications and the rates of death. But yeah, I found that One of my sources, her boyfriend funded it for her, the first one. And the second one was the discount one. Another one, it was gender-affirming care for them, and they had to use a GoFundMe to get the resources and to pay for it. They're very, very expensive and costly, and it really depends. And talking to the physicians I talk to is very much you pay for what you get. If you're paying for a discount BBL, you're going to have a discount booty. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) That discount can sometimes cost people their lives. BBLs are one of the most dangerous cosmetic procedures. They have a higher death rate than most other elective surgeries. So most cosmetic procedures are actually not very risky at all. They have a very, very small percentage of complications, including death. But the issue with BBL, though, is because the blood vessels in the the buttocks area, unfortunately, sometimes the needle that's used for the fat transfer can pierce one of those blood vessels, putting fat into the bloodstream. And that piece of fat can cause a fat embolism, meaning it can move through your bloodstream to your lungs and actually cause a cardiac arrest. It can cause you to stop breathing and it can cause your heart to stop. And so that fat embolism, because of the fat transfer into the blood vessel, is actually what can cause those complications, including death. And who you get to do your BBL matters a lot. There are people that are called cosmetic surgeons, physicians. 
but they actually can be trained in any sort of surgery. They don't have to be plastic surgeons. So that's the other thing that people don't know the difference. It's a difference between cosmetic surgeons and plastic surgeons. Plastic surgeons have had at least six years of training in residency and fellowship, training specific to plastics and reconstructive surgery, right? Really, those are the people that you should ideally be going to. Cosmetic surgeons, they also have a certification. They also may be physicians, but they don't have a plastic surgery training. And whatever training they have is much shorter than that of a plastic surgeon. So obviously, for a complex procedure like a BBL, you would want a plastic surgeon to be performing that procedure. And there is a shady underground BBL industry, too. So there are people that are not even physicians, one, or have not even had any sort of cosmetic or plastic surgery training that are doing these procedures, which are potentially life-threatening, but doing them in facilities where there are not the life-saving equipment or personnel there that can help if something happens. So that's the other thing people need to make sure of, that when you go to see someone, in addition to checking out that they have the right credentials, you also want to make sure that wherever you have the surgery, that clinic, that it has the appropriate certification for that surgery, and that it has all of the resources and personnel needed in case of something life-threatening happening. And some other people opt to travel to other countries for their BBLs, and that introduces even more risks. I would say be very, very wary of traveling to another country for surgery, just because we don't know what kind of health standards and certifications they're using. We don't know what kind of equipment they're using. And the other thing is a lot of times follow up and observation after the procedure is very important. If you have surgery and you come right back, to United States, many doctors here are not going to want to touch you. Mm. Okay. And so that's the other thing. You want to make sure you're somewhere, if you're having complications, you can just call your doctor and be like, I need to come into the office tomorrow. Or you want to be in a situation where you're, it's your doctor who's checking on you if you're still in the hospital several days later. And the doctors here may want to stay away from you because they don't want to take on the liability or what's the... Exactly. Exactly. They don't take on the liability because they don't know exactly what was done in another country, what equipment was used, what materials were used. And especially because the surgery may be so fresh or so recently done, they may have worries about going back in and causing even more injury or more damage. It's hard to get an accurate picture of who is getting BBLs. People often think of Instagram models and celebrities, but they certainly aren't the only ones getting them, as evidenced by the popularity of the affordable BBL. So even though there's a perception that it's Black women and other women of color getting these procedures done, we don't really have great data on the demographics of a lot of cosmetic procedures. That was one of the hardest things to find, right? Because we'll find data that shows that white women are getting more breast reconstructive surgery than other groups, but nothing that conclusively points to the demographics, which was so, so hard to find. I reported on previously about how there are more Black folks who are opting for Botox when historically we have not, but it, it's really hard to pinpoint. And I think that is in part because of the fact that so many people are going to get done underground, right? With people who are not board certified physicians. And we know that it's mostly women. I think there have been small increases in men opting for such, but one of the physicians I talked to actually does not operate on men because he has no experience with such. He's like, I operate on women and their bodies, et cetera, et cetera. 
Ruth did speak with a few doctors who said they are seeing even younger clients come in asking for BBLs. I spoke to two doctors, one black male based in Atlanta, one black woman based in the DMV area. And then the third doctor I spoke to was a white male, really focused more on reversals. But with the two black physicians I spoke to, they talked a lot about how, one, it depends on your clientele, right? They are seeing that some younger clientele are coming in, like Gen Z, so my age, and they are having to have sit down conversations with them about what's the reason, you tell me, et cetera, et cetera. The female doctor I spoke to in the DMV, she has older clientele, older black women, a more conservative base, whereas the one in Atlanta sees a bit more across all shapes and sizes because it's Atlanta and also internationally. But there are limits and they are having these conversations with their patients. I think one doctor said they won't do anyone below 18 and that's pushing it. They typically don't want to do anyone below 21. And I think moreover, they stressed a lot that it's about for board certified surgeons. It's really about can I give you the results that you want? Is that feasible or not in a safe manner, right? Now, if you're not seeing a board certified professional, they'll just say, oh, of course, we can go ahead and get that done. But they handle it with a lot of care and they do ask questions pertaining to BMI, motivations. That's not necessarily something that is implemented in a mandatory practice, but that is something that these ones I spoke to, they definitely did do. Outside of Black culture and other communities of color, having a big butt wasn't always a thing to be celebrated. But in the last decade, it seems that boobs are out and butts are in. Don't you just love how women's bodies are trends? And today, the BBL is one of the fastest growing cosmetic procedures in the world. We couldn't really find an exact moment, but more so a buildup. Something that I point to was Kim Kardashian's paper magazine cover from 2014, Kim K Breaks the Internet. Yes, that's Kim Kardashian bearing a backside. Bearing all. Kim Kardashian's derriere. Her booty is having a moment. That was a moment in which the Kardashian-Jenner family became perceived seriously in a way. Before, talking to folks, they were almost kind of this, the, the butt of the joke, right? Now they're sitting in New York Fashion Week. People are creating collections designed and marketed around their bodies, right? Talking to one of my sources, Eves B., who is a trans Black woman, we were talking about that, kind of seeing that trickle-down effect in stores from PPL fashion and having sweatpants that now all of a sudden everything looks like joggers to things that are a little bit more tighter skinned on the body. BBLs are also just a lot more accessible now. You don't have to be rich or a celebrity to get one. Cosmetic procedures have really decreased in price right over the last few years, making it more accessible to more people who desire them. It goes without saying that not every Black woman has a big butt, and it's not just Black women who even have big butts. However, before Kim K, the BBL body type was most associated, at least in America, with Black women. But now, anyone with a few thousand dollars can obtain that hourglass figure. And that's led to a kind of commodification. I think commodification is truly the word, right? When we get to the core of it, that is the issue with all of this is that there are Black women who look like this every day, who were ridiculed in school, who went through so much bullying, so much hypersexualization, right? And then there are Black femmes that don't look like this at all. And so it creates this sort of distortion, right? Mimicry that becomes the standard that is a caricature of what we actually look like, right? Because we look so different across the spectrum. Blackness and our bodies are beautiful and diverse and all of these things. And so when you see young Black girls get shamed and hypersexualized for this and white women such as the Kardashians and that family are suddenly elevated to the beauty standard, it's so disorienting. 
And it kind of creates this sort of cycle of appropriation and commodification. One of the sources that I talked to, Antony Bumba, uses she and they pronouns, and they're a TikToker, a Black non-binary femme, talking about how growing up in school, they were ridiculed for having big lips. And then now the same people that ridiculed them are getting fillers. So this is sort of a perennial issue. A tale as old as time. Sarah Bartman was a Black African woman who was put on display for her body type. Sarah, or Sarchi Bartman, was a South African woman who lived in the 18th and 19th century. She was put on display and paraded around freak shows in Europe because of her big butt. A museum in Paris had her remains on display until the 1970s. And one of the most famous images of Bartman is her standing, looking away from the painter or drawer, whoever did the picture, with her side profile. Now, it's obvious that she's not standing like that so you can see her profile, but rather so you can see her butt protruding out. When Kim Kardashian did the Break the Internet paper magazine cover in 2014, people pointed out the similarities with Kim K's photo and that famous photo of Sarah Bartman. Everyday Black women are are ridiculed and kind of going through the same thing in a similar way, yet we're not able to monetize our figure, our real authentic figure in the same way that these white women are. I cited in the piece that there's a sort of trend of blackfishing. Blackfishing is the phenomena of non-white people changing their appearances and other things about them to appear black. And the BBL is one of the tools in the blackfish arsenal. Having people use BBLs, use tanning, use all these things as a means to developing this like black persona or ethnically ambiguous persona as some of these influencers have done. One example is like Swedish model Emma Halberg, accused of blackfishing. We've seen Ariana Grande was accused of darkening her skin so much. People start using body modification as a further means to, again, be caricatures of who we are as black women, and they make money off of it. It's wild. A lot of blackfishers are actually internet influencers. It's easier to fool people in a picture. But so much of the conversation about this, around desirability, about BBLs, is happening online. TikTok has democratized the conversation for better or for worse and just unveiled the realities of these procedures from becoming a trend that you can or cannot opt into to sort of a, an energy that you exude, the BBL effect, right? But moreover, data from Facebook and Meta shows that social media and such imagery and those websites are contributing to body image issues in, in young girls. And so we're seeing that this is real life, everyday effects. And something that I noticed upon talking to sources was finding that it also varied regionally as well. One of my sources was a Latina from Miami. Miami has a big culture that is all about appearance, right? A big plastic surgery location and hub. And that was just something you do. And now she's trying to reverse that. Another one of my sources is a Black woman from Atlanta or who moved to Atlanta from Alabama. So Atlanta's flex culture is what kind of gave her the impetus to get the work done. And then she quickly regretted it because as much as she was trying to opt in, suddenly she became kind of the social pariah if it didn't turn out well. But despite this and all of the dangers associated with BBLs, they're still growing in popularity. And the reasons why people choose to go under the knife are complicated. I remember reading one story. It was titled The Pursuit of a Bigger Butt. And I was like, that's kind of trite. For some, this is gender-affirming care. For others, it was very much about social capital, navigating society and navigating their spaces with a sense of self-confidence. 
And also, again, these things translate to, in their eyes, tangible opportunity, depending upon the industry that they work in, be it people who are on the nightclub scene or in front-facing roles, et cetera. We know how desirability works. We know how that translates to jobs, higher pay, et cetera, et cetera. So it was a variety of reasons. Once again, going back to that self-confidence, one of my sources, Eves B, said, so what if we're insecure? If there's a fix for it, then let's get it. But for other folks, they look back and they're like, I wish, I wish a doctor had told me you're good. You don't need to get this. It really varies across the spectrum. What the purpose of the article was to show is that this is not just a trend. This is something that has real life effects on people and in pop culture as well. Why has a butt become this obsession? What does this mean for people who are trying to cash in very literally, but for people who are excluded from such opportunity, right? And what are the real life ramifications and effects? So Mariah expressed that living in Atlanta when she was socially ostracized for having a massive butt, it took a toll on her mental health and she felt really depressed not being able to go to events for her son's school or play dates because mothers would gawk at her and be like, oh my God, look at her butt. Like very much baby got back anaconda vibes, but for the worse. None of this happens in a vacuum. Women are constantly getting messages about our bodies from the internet, social media, TV, our loved ones. We're too big, we're too small, our butts are too humongous or too flat. It's exhausting. And this can be particularly daunting for women of color. Now, this is not to say that everyone who gets a BBL is dealing with societal pressure or low self-esteem, but that is a factor here. And that was part of the reason I was so intent on talking to women of color. Most of my sources, with the exception of Nailene, were all Black women. And I talked about body dysmorphia, how that is on the rise in recent years and how social media contributes to that. And I think very much a damned if you do, damned if you don't thing for us Black women. It's like a catch-22 in the case of Mariah. Did the thing that thought was going to get her the social capital, that thought was going to get her the attention she wanted, and then was ostracized for it. And so it's just a very hard thing. And I think something that I have to remind myself is that for me personally, as a tall Black woman who has to wear size 16 jeans and has always had to shop for long pants and things like that, it's what is the value in me trying to fit into something that was never designed for me? Trying to conform to a standard that was made unattainable by white media, white fashion. For me, I don't see the value in it, at least not now. Again, there are people who they're like, well, I had to do it for my job or I found it valuable at this point in my life. And so it's always a question of what are you willing to give? What risks are you willing to undergo? And in this larger conversation about some of the dangers that come up with BBLs, because as we sort of mentioned earlier, even if you get a board certified surgeon, you pay a lot of money, like, and it's a great procedure, it's still a dangerous procedure in and of itself. And for me, again, this is not something that I think we have statistics about, and part of this is the reason, but it seems like if this procedure were something that were perceived as something that, like, white women get, if you remember the crisis about breast implants exploding in the 90s, you know what I mean? Seems like there would be more conversation or more regulation or more something. And I'm wondering if you see a correlation between who's getting this and the public conversation we're having about the dangers. Absolutely. The way that these conversations are so reductive, I think is emblematic of how we treat people with thick bodies, how we treat Black women, how we treat other women of color, but especially Black women. 
I think it's just emblematic of how certain procedures are relegated to, let's say, a high class one or one that's for a certain group as opposed to things that are for a woman of a different class, which is one of the questions I asked. I was like, do you all have a certain echelon of patients that tend to come in? And the one in Atlanta said it really varied and the one in the DMV said it did vary, but it tended to be, you know, again, this kind of upper middle class, more professional woman. And it's very, very interesting to see, especially as we see other things become destigmatized, notably Botox and other things like that, because it took a long time for Black folks to get behind that idea. And so now that we see, I don't want to say the inverse effect, but we see a procedure such as like getting work done on the buttocks from silicone implants that were popular in queer communities to now it's kind of being usurped by an out group, right? White people opting for skinny BBLs, things like that the dialogue is shifting. Dr. Blackstock says this is bigger than getting your body goals from Instagram. This is a mental health issue. I think that we just need to really have these conversations and be candid and honest within our community to say, yes, we have depression, we have anxiety, we have body dysmorphia. Because the fact is that we are human beings who we absorb all this cultural messaging that's around us. We need to think about the psychological well-being of Black women, and I think that includes our mental health. So even talk about issues of depression and anxiety, talking about ideas of the way we perceive our bodies, right? Especially for Black women, we need to have a space where we can talk about this really openly and honestly and in a way that's really not done instead of saying, no, these are not issues that impact us. The Black women, yes, maybe overall we're more curvy or thicker than white women. But there's a certain body type, that thin waist, big hips, big butt, that's considered attractive. But that most of us don't have that shape <laughs> or have we have some variety of that. And so I think there's a lot of pressure that's being put on us that is impacting us both psychologically and mentally that we need to really discuss in ways that we haven't before in community and in therapy as well. So you've heard all of this, considered the risks, examined your reasons, and you still want to have a BBL. Here's what Dr. Blackstock says you can expect. Definitely make sure you do your research. Make sure you know who the physician is that's going to be doing this surgery. Make sure you know their credentials. And I would say even that they are trained in plastic surgery. Find out where it's going to happen. Make sure that it's a certified clinic. And then also inquire about the recovery period. But I I feel like at that point that someone's coming to me saying they want it and they've done the research, then I want to empower people. People aren't autonomous. At the same time, it's like, I don't want to put my own ideas. Listen, the fact is that I have had cosmetic procedures. I haven't had a BBL, but I've had cosmetic procedures that have actually improved my self-esteem and made me feel better about myself. But we don't want people to put their lives at risk to improve their self-esteem. So I want to make sure they do it as safely as possible. And be prepared for a long, painful recovery. Well, that's the other thing. So the recovery period and the experience for the BBL is really important. A lot of the plastic surgeons and cosmetic surgeons will also say that it really depends on on the aftercare, how well you take care of yourself in those weeks after. That will influence how well you heal. A lot of women don't know this, but you can't sit down. You cannot sit on your butt for weeks. 
because that could change the shape of it, right? You cannot do a lot of things for yourself. The other thing is pain. People are in a significant amount of pain. So you want to be somewhere where there's someone who can take care of you, where you have adequate pain medication that is given to you in a timely schedule in a safe way. You also want to make sure that you are aware of any complications from infection because what surgery does is, is it opens tissue right? You cut open tissue to the environment. And so you want to make sure that you're on the lookout for any sort of signs of infection. And if you see that, you have a nurse or your physician to call during that recovery period. And so that's the other thing about people traveling to other countries is that often they don't stay down there for the entire period. Sometimes they come back a few days after the surgery back to their home where not, they're not being monitored properly talking to physicians and surgeons, they were saying it really varies from body to body because everybody's different. And what the BBL is, is a body trauma. You're moving a bunch of fat around. So on average, minimum six weeks, but really I've heard eight to 12 upon talking to my sources, you must sit on a BBL pillow for the duration of that time. You can't sit directly on your butt. At week 10, I think Bria ended up just being like, forget it. I'm sitting on my butt. I can't do this anymore on this pillow. Because a pillow, as she described, it really sits directly on your thigh. And she described as it, it made her feel a bit numb a little bit. But moreover, the first week upon talking to my sources, they said that first week they were lying on their stomach, did that for the entirety of their recovery process. So you're going to bed on your stomach. First week were very stiff. They had to wear the faha, which is almost like a like a girdle to kind of keep that fat from migrating. They had to be assisted for the first week or so with a friend helping them pee, helping them do everything. Eves went to a recovery house, whereas Bria, her friend Roxanne took care of her in Miami and Airbnb. It was strenuous. And Bria woke up feeling like she had just done just a really intense workout, like her body was sore. And at first she didn't realize it, that she was lying on her butt on the operation gurney. And then looks up and she was like, flip me over. What is going on? This is so painful. (laughs) And just know that you're still taking a bit of a chance because BBLs are not as regulated as some other medical procedures. I think because there isn't a lot of regulation around cosmetic procedures, I think that is one, one of the issues. And I'm not sure if that is for financial reasons or political reasons, but I do think that as BBLs increase in popularity, we may see some regulations put in place around who does them, where they can happen. But I think also there's so much of a, what we call it, a black market for them. Also people flying outside of the country that I think it's also been difficult to regulate. I think one of the perceptions is that like, who gets this is black women, right? Like, the body type, everything that we sort of talk about, the societal pressures to like have that body type often falls on like black women and women of color, right? And I wonder if given what we know about like disparities in the healthcare industry, disparities in medicine for people of color, is there like a correlation between the lack of regulation, the lack of like an outcry and the fact that who's getting this is black women and women of color? Yeah, you know what? That is such an excellent point. And it could be because if it were mostly white, affluent women getting this surgery, yeah, it probably would be more highly regulated. But I will say that I get emotional thinking about it because I feel like our bodies as Black women have been so objectified, but also we've been exploited as well. We've been highly criticized. We're always under a microscope. And I think that the popularity of BBLs 
is a lot in, due in part to social media and seeing these images that are considered desirable, comparing ourselves to other women, and the fact that we are putting our lives at risk for this highly, highly risky surgery. I think it's something that we, and I'm so glad you're ha we're having this conversation about it because I feel so conflicted. Like, yes, obviously, as a woman, you should do whatever makes you feel better about your, yourself. But I also recognize the significant external pressures on us as Black women to look a certain way, to carry ourselves a certain way, to talk a certain way. It's just, it's, it's too much. And so I'm wondering if we're also putting our lives at risk because of these expectations that are placed on us of how we should look. That's it for us today. This is Alicia Key, producer of Pop Culture, signing off. Bridget Armstrong is the show's host and senior producer. Andrew Calloway is our senior engineer. He had help this week from Ellie McAfee-Hahn. Graylin Brashear is the senior director of audio for The Skim. And a big thanks to Ruth Samuel and Dr. Uche Blackstock for speaking with us. We'll be back with another episode next week. In the meantime, don't forget to rate and subscribe to the show and follow us on social media at The Skim. The Skim.